The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Break, we're breaking down all the biggest NBA storylines. You're tuned in to The Heat Check. The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association. Now we're in for a big treat. We got Kurt Heelan on. Kurt is the blogger in chief of probasketballtalk.com, but also NBCSports.com and the managing editor in NBC. We had a wide-ranging interview. It touched on a lot of inner storylines that come up for the season, so let's get into it. Welcome to the show, my man, Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer, managing editor, NBCSports.com. Just one of the, I would say, more honest guys uh, in their assessments of what's happening around the NBA. (laughs) I've got a ton of questions. There's a lot developing, and we could spend all day, but I figured I would call it down to the teams that I personally am the most interested in based on what we saw opening night, but also some of the sleeper teams too. So I am really intrigued by Phoenix. I think that's a team that could potentially break the mentality of the super team, right, being dead. And Bradley Beal obviously is a a guy that they got for absolutely nothing. They made moves at – uh, in the summer with Nurkic, which I think is super interesting. Got a lot of depth. They get a bunch of guys from the Blazers. And I think when they went to chase last night or on Tuesday night, we were wondering how they would look against a team that has largely been a contender anytime Steph yeah. is healthy. So the thing that stuck out to me was Devin Booker. Uh, you watch him, and it looked like he was the best player on the floor pretty much the entire night. 32-6-8, and eight, one steal. And that was with Steph doing, you know, Steph things. Do yeah. you think Devin Booker is a legit MVP candidate if he plays on a team that Kevin Durant plays on? I think it'd be hard to be MVP with Kevin Durant sitting there because unless he does this like every night, but Durant was cold shooting. And by the way, everybody not named Booker in that game. Like, Craig put up numbers, but he was like 8 of 20 and everybody else was just ice cold for both teams. I think it solidifies his all-NBA spot probably. I picked the Suns to go to the finals. I am, I'm like, wow. I am, I'm big on them. I don't know that they're like, I don't think they're there right now, even though they, you know, they got a nice win the other night and they got some promising signs because you had, I got questions about Nurkic and his health and whatever, but he looked pretty good in the opener. I got questions about like Josh Akogi, but he's hitting key corner threes and, and making plays. So I just think over the course of 82 and maybe with a move at the deadline, a smaller move, like a role player move, the question isn't the top end. The question is like depth, defense, all that. And I think they'll figure it out. Uh, but I still think, look, as much as Booker's going to stand out, I think it'd be hard. You're just hard pressed to do that against next to Kevin Durant, who wasn't great in that first game. But you uh, you know, I know, like we all know, right? Like there was a big Kevin Durant stretch coming. 
Yeah, I mean, he always produces, and that's what we know yeah. he's going to be able to do. The Bradley Beal thing is weird. I wondered why, how how he ends up recovering and rehabbing all offseason, and then we don't see him with back spasms, especially with this, yeah. this NBA new rule about load management. Obviously, that's oh. not load management. Is Bradley Beal's health a, a concern or a factor for you at all in terms of you thinking that this is a finals team? Uh, I don't really – I think the only way to judge preseason is to say a team is healthy unless proven. Like, do I think Kawhi Leonard is going to play 82 games? Probably not. Right. Like yeah. I think we're going to safely say no, but I can't presume going into the season that he's healthy for the playoffs or, or you start playing a really random game. And so I'm going to assume that he's healthy, but I think it's with his history and Kevin Durant's history, it is absolutely one of the things that can derail the Suns. It is it is a legitimate concern that he's not there opening night. But you're right. It's it's not load management, but also just between you and me, do you know how many guys are going to have, hey, we're going to take our time bringing Draymond Green back from this ankle thing because we can get him a little rest right now. We could, like, their guys, guys are going to go down with these injuries all season long that are just rest nights. So you think there's going to be manipulating of that then? Yeah, yes. The league says they're going to come in, but that's the thing about the NBA. And frankly, you know, anybody watching who's an NFL fan, by week, what, three? Any guy in the NFL can take a week off for an injury if they want to, right? Like they're all, they've all got enough bumps and bruises, whatever. The NBA is pretty much that way a month into the season. Like everybody's got knee tendonitis or their Achilles aches a little bit or whatever it is. There's all sorts of things that you can come up with to get a guy a night off. If they really want to, it's not going to be hard. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how that shakes out with the new league rule on 65 games to get your end of, you know, to be eligible for end of season awards. I'm, I'm like, I think we're going to see a whole lot of guys play 66 games. Yeah. And I, just because the, the, the line is 65 in order to get right. all NBA and MVP and all these awards, Eric Gordon was really good in that game. He didn't produce offensively. But he was still like plus whenever he was on the floor. Yeah. I think he was a huge pickup. Not a lot of people are talking about him. Utah Watanabe obviously came over just because he wanted to play with Kevin Durant. I'm curious from your perspective and what you see, like who is that number one uh, X factor role player that you think is going to bring the Suns over the top to get them to the finals and beat a team like Denver? Uh, Eric Gordon's going to have a big role. I kind of think it's a Kogi just because they're going to need his defense. They're going to need somebody out. I mean, he's got to be offensively good enough to stay on the floor, but ultimately, I mean, Kevin Durant's a pretty good defender when he is geared up for it and wants to be, but he's not going to do it over 82. Nurkic is a big body in the middle. They don't have a lot of great defenders and it's on a very defensive minded coach and Frank Vogel to find a way to get enough defense out of this team, playing a lot of drop coverage with the big body of Nurkic, I imagine. But I think a Kogi comes clear. And then I think you're right. I think Eric Gordon is the one guy on that bench right now going into the season. I'm like, yeah, he's going to be rock solid for 82. He's going to be rock solid for the final 16, you know, in the playoffs. He's not the guy I'm worried about. Um, they just need, you know, who who are the other guys to step up, really? I mean, they, they've just got to find, at the end of the day, don't you, basically you got to get to a seven-man rotation you trust by by uh, by April. And I, I my guess is they get there, but we'll see. Are you sleeping on Denver? Like, tell me the truth, because I feel you're kind of doing what everyone's doing right now, which is like, oh, they they lost Jeff Green. They lost Bruce Brown. Who will come in and save them off the bench? 
And last night, uh, opening night, it really didn't even matter. Reggie Jackson looked like he was that guy. But, I mean, it was spread all the way through. Everybody was producing, and they still scored over 120 points, and it was like not a lot of bench production. It felt like game five of the Western Conference Finals from last year, didn't it? Like, just it like, <laughs> it's like it's just a continuation of what we saw. I thought their bench played okay, too. Christian Braun was a Brown. I want to call him Braun because that's – Christian Brown, yeah. <laughs> you know, Christian Brown. That's he played really well. Um, I thought that their bench in general, uh, Reggie Jackson, you can count on Reggie Jackson for some points, a few highlights, and some trash talk. I think their bench isn't bad. I don't. I just. I, I do. I trust it as much as Bruce Brown. I just let's put it this way. I think they're very, very good. I think they're the bar for the entire NBA. If you're Phoenix, or frankly, if you're Boston or Milwaukee or any other team with championship designs. You got to be better than Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Denver. And at the end of the day, maybe nobody is. Um, I just got a feeling somebody's going to pass them this year, and we'll see. I, I think they will miss Bruce Brown in the playoffs. As much as I like Christian Brown and everybody else, like dude, Bruce Brown was huge in the postseason. But I, you can't blame the man for go get the bag. Like you know, they don't got it for you in Denver. You got to go get it. And by the way, I like the Pacers too. Love the Pacers. Love what they're doing. We'll definitely hit on that. I think Nikola Jokic could actually win the MVP again. If that's oh yeah, if that sounds crazy because he he had three assists at halftime, something like that. Still finished with eleven, and it feels like maybe more aggressive offensively than he's been to start the year. He was just bullying AD down in the post. It was come and stop me. I'm going into the paint. I'm going to score every time if I want. I'll grab my own put back and and get the points as well. So I, it feels like maybe there's even a, another level production wise yeah. from a points perspective than Nikola Jokic was even doing the year before uh, when he won MVP two years ago or the year before that, or even last year when MB won it. What are you seeing or what did you see from him? Did you see what I saw? Yeah, I, he, he's really become good at that. At And I think it's interesting because I we were talking earlier, like, Hey, the Suns go get Yusuf Nurkic in play now in place of the issues they had with a, another big body guy in, in DeAndre Ayton. But I think if you're looking at the West and you want to get through the West, one of your questions has to be, hey, how do we how do we match up with him? How do we even slow him? And Anthony Davis last year, I think was as good or better a defender, probably the best defender in the playoffs. He was phenomenal. Yeah. And Jokic just destroyed him <laughs> and 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 then did it again. And it, like You've got to have one of those big bodies. I wonder if, again, I think with the Suns, did they get Nurkic thinking back, thinking, well, we've got to have somebody to put a body on him who's somewhat more, if he can just stay healthy. His decision-making and just IQ are off the charts. That's the thing that just, hey, all right, I can go through Anthony Davis and get mine. Oh, they've adjusted the defense. I'm going to keep finding guys. I mean, I think the most telling play of the game was late. It's actually, I think, the play he got the triple-double assist on. You just set a pick for. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray was hot, so both defenders kind of went to him. He went to the little Draymond Green short roll, got the ball at the free throw line, saw the defense start to rotate, and just whipped it to MPJ in the corner. Wide open three. It was like, I don't know how you defend the team when they're playing like that and, and all those guys are cooking. Yeah, and it makes it feel like the, the role players don't even matter, right? Like you, <laughs> A little That bit, starting yeah. five can do what they did. I mean, they absolutely gassed A.D., Nikola yes. Jokic turned AD into an absolute zero in the second half. He's getting crushed on first yes. take. He's getting crushed on social media. I actually like 
fine with it. I don't think you can really take anything from AD's lack of production in the second half because he's tasked with guarding a guy who's decided he's going to score 30, uh, 13, and 11, or whatever it was, right? Like, so do you think that was unfair criticism? Not as much. Just because Anthony David, look, what you saw from LeBron is what you get from LeBron right now, right? You're going to get 30 minutes a night out of him. It would have been 30 if they hadn't garbage time the last minute and a half. 30 minutes a night. And he was plus seven. He put up numbers. But at the end of the day, if this Laker team is going to go where they want to go, Anthony Davis has to be elite. He has to be on both ends. He has to be this high-level All-NBA player. And one of the issues has long been good game, bad game, good half, bad half, which we saw last night. And I don't think it's all on him because, Trista, I hope you are passionate about and believe in something in your life as much as D'Angelo Russell believes in his shot. (laughs) He's going to take it regardless. But, and I don't think they got Anthony Davis the ball. And he had all these ISOs and posts up in the first half. He just literally wasn't getting them. But he's also got to demand those. He's got to take charge. He's got to, like, you don't see Embiid, like, not getting the ball after a while. Like, no, get the guy the ball. He's got to show up every night. It's the only it's the only way they can be where they want to be. I took him for MVP. He was my pick for MVP as a sleeper at 40 to 1 AD. Yeah, like, that's and that that yeah. just did not just did not line up with what I was expecting. <laughs> I also thought he could have a legit to chance to if he didn't win MVP to be one of the defensive player of the year candidates. Yeah, absolutely. That's how, he is. that's how he is when he's healthy. And it's just a disappointing first game against really a team that you know you have to go against to get through to the finals. I'm curious about a couple of dudes, though. Why sign someone like Christian Wood and Cam Reddish when those guys have clearly throughout the course of their career been not locker room cancers, but certainly cultural negatives? Because you have LeBron James. I think it's literally it. It's just that's the LeBron James locker room. That's – He's going to set the tone. He's not going to put up with guys who aren't focused. So I think there's a sense of like you can get away with that when LeBron's on your team in a way with there may be a couple other guys in the league, but there's not many who can set that tone. And the other part, especially in Christian Wood, well, actually both those cases, Christian Wood's better than a minimum contract player. Yeah. Whatever I think of him, like why I might talk myself out of wanting him on my team, he gets buckets. He is better than a minimum contract. And if I can get him for a year at the minimum, then I've got to take that because that's still a really good deal. And another guy that, hey, depending on the situation, you might be able to throw into a trade later as an enticing piece because some other team knows he's more valuable than that too. Yeah, dude, I was so high on this Lakers team. And I don't even like the Lakers as a Portland Trailblazer (laughs) fan. I was like, man, this could be a team that was like top three in the West. And if you're not getting production out of your team without LeBron on the floor, this yeah. this could honestly be a seven seed again. I think the West is so bunched up that after, look, Denver's Denver, Phoenix, not just last night, I just Phoenix is going to win a ton of regular season games because they have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley Beal, and they're just they're going to outscore teams. I think they're one, two, in whatever order. After that, three through, frankly, 12 are teams that think they should be in the playoffs, and it's not going to be this huge difference like and that's what's going to make the west wild is like i don't have utah in the playoffs do they still got john collins and and laurie markinen and like we're good last year and surprise people the kings everybody's kind of 
sleeping on the Kings a little bit. I agree. They're going to score. They're not going to stop anybody. They're going to score a ton of points and be tough to beat. Like, so I think three through out of the post, you know, missing the play in out West is everything's in play for those teams. And the Lakers can't afford to get caught in the middle of that and try to be breaking out mid season. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Minnesota's good. Every and even look, what's the thing? The bad teams, Houston, pretty good. San, pretty good. They've got Fred Vedfleet and Dalen Brooks and Jared uh, Jalen Green's going to be good. And Jabari Jr. looked awesome at Summer League. And uh, the Spurs are going to suck. Except, damn, Wemby and Devin Vassell are going to be entertaining, and they're going to win a few games because, it, like, there's just not going to be off nights in the West, except maybe against your Portland Trail Blazers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I know it's so bad. We're this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't even really know what that team is doing. I like the Dame trade a lot. Yeah. But I'm very curious why holding on to Malcolm Brogdon and Rob Williams are a thing. The only thing that I can think of is that they're waiting for a team that needs them at the deadline and they think that they can extract more value from them in January than they can in September. Is that yep. kind of what you think is happening too? I might even put Jeremy Grant in that list. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think all those guys, look, you're rebuilding right now around Scoot and Anthony Simons who are, by the way, going to be entertaining. Like it's going to be a good show. Um, but I think everybody, not those two guys um, is available. Maybe I'm curious. I'm really curious to see how DeAndre Ayton fits with them and in a system where he gets some of the freedom and touches he wants, probably, but he just he wasn't going to get his option number four in Phoenix even last year. I mean, there's just better options than him down there, but uh, you know, hey, he'll get he'll get more looks up there. So they're they're going to be a fun, interesting team, and they're not going to be a pushover. There's you know, I don't think they're the worst team in the league. I was going to say there is the Wizards. Wizards are going to be a tough watch too. I love Ty. I love Tyus Jones. So I'm I'm very curious yeah. how they're going to be building that roster. Let's talk about this Sixer team though, because they are right on the brink, dude. They are on the brink of a full scale yep. roster meltdown. The only player that I think is safe is Tyrese Maxey. I think everyone else could potentially either bolt on their own or get kicked out the door. Now we got James Harden coming back to Philly past opening night, and they're like, no, we don't want you traveling with the team. What does that mean, I don't want you traveling with the team? Does that mean that a deal is imminent? Or does no. that mean that we don't want you around our players uh, muddying the water and poisoning the well? More that. More more the distraction, right? Like, And just – if he's there, then is he making things messy and harder and just being just him on the trip and being on the bench was going to lead to questions. And so I think they think it's just better. They, they go from uh, they play in for people who don't know, they play in Milwaukee opening night and then uh, Toronto two nights later uh, before going back home. I think that he won't play in either of those games. And that doesn't mean I'll just say I doesn't mean a trade is imminent. My the people I've talked to 
and people out with closer to the Clippers have been like, the offer's the offer. <laughs> we have, maybe that changes if they get 10 games into the season and think, oh, crap. Like, we got to do – maybe then Terrence Mann or a second pick or whatever goes into the deal. But right now, they've got – the Clippers have a lot more to think about too just because if you trade for James Harden, who's going to be a free agent, so you kind of got to lock him up. And then you could extend Kawhi Leonard and Paul George a couple of years. And, hey, do you want more – do you want three more years of those guys as your core? No. So, yeah. I just don't think they're that eager. I it's They're they're walking a weird line because they move into a new building next year and they're not going to want to move a rebuilding team into a new building. But I don't – like the path they're on is not sustainable. So I'm not sure what happens. But they're they're unlikely in the short term to up their offer. So they're off – really, bottom line, it's really just stuck in the mud. Up, Kurt. They, they fucked yeah. up letting Shea Gilders-Alexander go. And four picks, that's got to be the most egregiously bad decision an NBA team in hindsight has made. A young player, not even close to his peak, who's now legit. He's a first-team All-NBA guy, and you let him go because Kawhi wanted Paul George? When they let him go, I'll tell you that people with the Clippers were not happy, but they didn't see this. What they said was, man... Shea's going to be an all-star someday. He's going to make a few all-star teams. He's going to be pretty, he's going to be good. They didn't see Shea being this good. You like the Sixers this year with Nick Nurse? Are you buying into his system? I think they're good. I, I think with or without Harden, I think they're a good team that finishes, I don't even want to say top three, top five, top six for, for sure in the East. Like, I think they're a good team. I'm higher on Cleveland than everybody else. But like, really? um, if, yeah, but if, if they finish, you know, third, fourth, fifth, something like that, maybe, you know, I, I think that that's, they're good. And I don't want to see them in the playoffs if Embiid is healthy. Like, they're going to be a tough out. I think Tyrese Maxey's going to be fantastic this year. Like, that's a good team. It's just the two teams, that they, if the goal is to win a championship, I don't know what you do. Because I don't even know with Harden. What do you think, Tristan? With, with Harden, do they compete with Boston and Milwaukee? I don't think so. I mean, unless you're getting what you got from Harden, in those good games where he's putting up 40. Yeah. But you have to have that every game. You need that. They had the chance to beat Boston, right? And they probably should have if they wouldn't have collapsed. So they're they're like close-ish, but now you got another year of Harden declining. And he's he's not someone that was ever really reliable in the postseason. Joel Embiid's never been healthy in a postseason in his entire career. He's always dealing with something strange, orbital bone fracture, ankle, knee, it's like a Mr. You know, it's like operation over there. Yeah. And now you have a new coach. I'm just very suspicious in general about the ability for a team to really compete, Milwaukee included, with a brand new head coach. I'm moving forward to teams that you're the most excited about. Teams that did not make the playoffs last year that you think are legit playoff teams this year uh, we mentioned one i'm just really high on the pacers i i think that the indiana pacers are taking a step forward uh part of that is tyrese halliburton was already kind of taking that step as one of the best passers and facilitators in the league they play fast um i thought they underachieved last year but their offseason addition of bruce brown what they lacked was point of attack defense and somebody basically who could fill a role like that um, they've got plenty of shooting they got buddy healed I love Miles Turner, and uh, I may not agree with his self-assessment of being a top-five center in the league, but he is a very good center. 
I don't know if they make top six or if they get in through the plan, but I think this is a playoff team that's going to surprise a lot of people and continue to surprise a lot of people because they're like never on national television. That's probably the team I'm highest on that missed the playoffs last year. Does that mean then that, because I actually love them too, because I think they're yeah. very deep because yep. you've got Jairus Walker who was- Who looked great in Summer he League. He looked great at Summer League. Just looked like the best, most dominant man on the floor, can do so many different things. He just had that thing that popped off while popped off the court while you watched yeah. him. Yeah. And then you add him to a team with already has Miles Turner and you add Obi Toppin and you've got Benedict Matherin taking another step, right? And so yeah. I'm super excited about them. Is that then meaning that Rick Carlisle could maybe win coach of the year? It's funny. I when I was putting up predictions for coach of the year and I Picked Bickerstaff just because I'm, again, like I'm high on the Cavs. I thought about it and I'm like, guys don't really love Rick Carlisle strictly yeah. with the media who votes. So like, even if he does the job and, and deserves the nomination, deserves the award, like how many media members are going to be like, bleep Rick Carlisle. <laughs> Give yeah. him that award. What do you expect from Wemby? MVP, 38 points. No. Um, <laughs> does that seem unreasonable? Um I think, though, he could be an MVP candidate earlier than, than anyone oh, yeah. could even imagine. I, I think rookie, again, it's the it's the Spurs. They're going to slow play this. They are not going to – they're not going to make the big mistake too many teams make of like, hey, this guy's really good. Let's I'll just jump through minutes. the process. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, let's trade for a bunch of veterans. Let's try to win now. Like they're, the Spurs are not going to do that. They're going to take some lumps. But I still think he's – 18 and eight this year is like not out of the question with like two, one of the borderline, if not all defensive team level play um, out of the gate. Um, and that's again, with him probably getting some rest nights or nights off because the jump from Europe to college, I don't think you people can, people can really grasp like playing 40 games a night, 40 games a season, low forties. If you count a deep run in the NCAA tournament, 82 game regular season, like the jump is just ridiculous. And the wear and tear is ridiculous. In Europe, you play two games a week. Like it's just the travel, the travel isn't as bad uh, because you're just traveling around France. So in his case, it, uh, he's going to get some nights off, but that said by year three, that would I, like, that's not crazy depending on where the team is. He's rookie of the year to you. I did a special uh, podcast and a video, couple of videos up at NBC with uh, Drew Dinsick, who's our, uh, Oh, I know betting him. analyst. Yeah. And Drew, Drew's word was every other bet in this category is dead money. Like it's just as much as I could try to make a case for why Chet Holmgren might, because he's playing more meaningful minutes on a playoff team. Like we talked about with the thunder and is exactly what they need facing the floor and defense in the paint. Like as good as that is, I still wouldn't bet on it. Like I still, I still just think it's, it's Wemby's to lose. Yeah, I agree. Finally, team that did make the playoffs last year that will not make the playoffs this year. I was going to say the Clippers, um, but Miami's just, Miami's a possibility, but it would involve Jimmy. Jimmy Butler's too good if he plays, even as I know he likes to say, he has said to you, to everyone, playoff Jimmy's not a thing. It's not, yeah, it is. Like he definitely is better in the playoffs. That said, if, he feels the pressure like uh, in that, like he can crank it up and the East isn't as deep. But if he misses a chunk of games for whatever reason, 
I mean, you're there. Didn't it feel like they built their whole offseason around getting – they just expected to get Lillard, and when that didn't happen, they expected to get Drew or somebody else, and nobody fills that gap. And you can sort of replace Gabe, and you do get – and Max Drews, by the way, and who, by the love, who I love in Cleveland as a fit. It, those aren't like individually huge losses, but together it just – yeah, I can make – I could see them falling, but I don't know if – they were on the edge of that last year. They were trailing the Bulls entering the fourth quarter of the play-in game, as I, if I remember that the properly. Second play-in and, game. Yeah, the second play-in game. So, like, they came that close last year. So, it's possible, but I – I think the Clippers, hand. you're right. The Clippers could very easily fall out, too. That's a team where it could look like one of those bad old silent movie cars where everything just falls apart. Like, like it could absolutely happen to them. The whole wheels could come off this thing. All right, before I let you run, give me your finals projection – on day one of the NBA season and your champion. The Orlando Magic over the Houston. No, I really think it's going to come from one of four teams. So I went with Boston over Phoenix in the finals. I've got Boston as your champions. And I think they're the one team, by the way, if one team is going to click, it's all going to come together. They're going to win 65 games and steamroll the league. It's them. Like I just, I think Boston could be very, very good. But I have Boston beating Phoenix in the finals. If you told me it was Denver or Milwaukee were in that mix. Kurt Heelan, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. We'll have to have you back on more. Lead NBA writer and managing editor, NBCSports.com. This man is always giving us some nuggets, some facts. Uh, we'll have to have you on BetMGM tonight as well soon. I look forward to it, man. Thanks, brother. Take care. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Come back Monday. Check out the feed for past episodes and mini episodes that will drop unexpectedly. Uh, do not forget to download, subscribe, and tell your friends, every single one of them. And follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.